Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello everyone, welcome back to part three of the Stompcast. Eddie and I are still wandering in Regent's Park. We really enjoy it. It's been kind of a weird day of light, low and high light. I feel like it's a bit brighter at the moment. It's quite crisp. I feel like it's very... It's like we're going through a part of the park which makes me feel very in touch with nature. If we look around, we've got the birds, we've got lots of... Actually, if you look at the poles coming out of the water there, there's almost a bird in every pole. It's lovely. I wonder if it's, it's like a competition. If you wild. move, someone jumps in your seat. It's like when you get off the sofa, Rolo will be straight on my seat. You know, he's ready to get... It's musical chairs. Exactly, it's musical chairs. Find but... keepers rules. And I hope you're all well. Whether you've joined us now for part three, straight from part two, or whether this is on a new day, enjoy the stomp, and I hope you enjoy this conversation that we're having. Ellie, you have teased me with your bonkers ideas. I want to hear what they are. <laughs> Tell me about your bonkers ideas, aside from the lizard dress, I'd imagine. Well, so I've got a lot of new music. I'm in a, in a writing period at the minute. And I just like cracking jokes in my music. Yeah. I think that's, that's where the, the silliness comes from, yeah, yeah. really. I love costume. You like to have fun. You can even just even glance, obviously go on Daddy's Instagram and have a look at the your kind of videos and content. I get a real sense that you just want to have fun. Generally, yeah. fun is a word I would say. Ta- talent as well, of course, <laughs> but fun. You enjoy having fun, don't you? Yeah, I think so much of art can become so serious. And I think there is absolutely a place for seriousness in art. But I think also, as soon as we can laugh at stuff, I think it just makes life lighter. Yeah. And that's that's where all of the silliness comes from, really. Mm. So I've got, <laughs> I mean, if you come to one of my live shows, you'll get a real feel for madness. <laughs> I have a song that I wrote um, a couple of years ago about biscuits and I throw biscuits into the crowd. Oh, I love and that. It's that's become my a kind bit of, of a concert. cult thing. And me and Abby would love a kind of concert we get Chuck Biscuits at. So I should that. have brought some with me just oh, started lobbing lovely. them lovely. That's, that's the content we needed for the trailer. You just throwing biscuits at me, alas. Just pouting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, so I throw biscuits into the audience and it's become a bit of a cult thing and I get tweets from people asking for specific biscuits in oh, specific what's locations. The most, what is the most random biscuit request you've had? Oh, well, I tell you, someone said, can you bring a Viennese world to Bristol? Oh, well, that's Viennese world. Isn't that quite messy, though? It is. Well, they crumble. Yeah, they exactly. crumble. I mean, that would fall apart in the air. You'd end up with just a lot of crumbs in your eyes. You'd yeah. have your mouth open. Oh, well, I did eyes. that. One gig, I hit, I hit a man in the face. It got in his eyes, and the whole rest of the gig, I could see oh, him trying no. to get biscuit out of his eye. I felt oh, so bad. No. I apologised on stage multiple times. You're like, can you can you hear me at least? <laughs> you can't see me, but can you? Yeah, luckily you can it's throw music. Too hard that you can hear. Yeah, indeed. indeed. Yeah. Um, I also, what else do I do? I mean, I used to, well, whether I do on my next tour is uh, uh, a secret, yeah. but um, um, for my encores, I used to come out in my inflatable astronaut suit I love it. to like a, a Houston countdown <laughs> <laughs> sequence. Yeah. Um, nice. Just so much fun. But yeah, I'm going, uh, I'm going on tour again. When is your next tour? Where are you going? In May. So I'm going around Where's the UK it? and doing my first headline shows in Germany. Oh, wow. As Amazing. Well. My brother's out in Germany at the moment. Don't ask me exactly where he's moving around all the time, but he's out in Germany at the moment. So, so you're going, I guess, 
out to Europe as well then, internationally mm. with the tours. Yeah, Sorry. well I started playing some support shows around Europe last year and I played... What acts have you supported? Who have you supported along the way? Um, so JC Stewart was the person who I was supporting mm. around Europe and it was really my first taste of European crowds and they're so attentive. It's really nice. Specifically, um, Germany's just been one of my favourite countries to perform in because everyone is so... The crowd is silent for the songs. Like, they are staring there, concentrating. Some people like it and some people don't like Mm. it. I really like it because sometimes I'm just like, can can we just be quiet? Can we all just sit? Can we all have a listen? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and I feel really... There is just, I felt this really strong connection. I played a show in a church in yeah. um, Cologne and it was just magical because everyone was sat in the pews. It was completely silent and it felt, it felt like a service. Wow. <laughs> and, but after every song, they would scream and cheer and there's just, it's all, all this understanding of when, when we listen and then when we interact. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's just been one of my Like an element of respect. Crowds. One of the things I think that's um, a shame, and it's definitely I've noticed, so my first ever proper gig was I went to the Cardiff Arena to listen to Stereophonics years ago. This is amazing. I was like, I was like, honestly, I think I was about 14 or something with my dad and like watched <laughs> Stereophonics, come my mates, and it was amazing. And like everyone really just watched it. But it's now, like when I go to Glastonbury and I watched um, Sam Fender uh, last year, um, headlining and anyway um, the shame is everyone's just got their phones out the whole time and not just yeah. for a little bit of it it feels like people some people just literally stand there and record the whole thing and it's hard because I'm like you know what that's a real moment for them and you do you and you should do what you want to do mm. but also it feels like a slight shame that people live through a screen with live music how do you feel as an artist does it do you mind do you kind of like yeah whatever or I think there's spaces for both so I think it's really nice I've had people like facetiming their friends at yeah. shows for friends that couldn't come yeah. i think those that's when technology i think is really lovely because you can bring people in that that's can't cool, be there yeah. um and i guess but, also promotion sense i mean look at uh, love on tour yeah you, like harry styles is as was called his tour i feel like my feed was and i love the guy he's great but the feed was absolutely nothing but his tour when he was doing yes. and just um like that was the cold play as well wasn't it cold yeah. like everyone was really filming it so i guess for the promotion sense that Viral it's it's, it's it. amazing, amazing sharing, mm. but um, no, I actually am running a gig series. Well, I ran it last year, and we're hoping to bring it back again. Um, and we've been running these like secret shows. We launch the tickets uh, through various methods, but not publicly. Okay. Um, sometimes it's a link on my Instagram story. Yeah. Sometimes it's in my Discord. Um, and basically it's a 30 person show it's in a basement in a comedy club oh, in soho cool. no phones allowed that's so cool if anyone gets their phone out they will be asked to leave until they've finished doing what men dressed up in various costumes would drag them out and check them out yeah <laughs> and um yeah basically it's kind of a cross between a gig and a podcast and we have people can just shout out questions mm. i bring in uh, artists that i love and we that's just talk so about cool. life and then we write a song from scratch with the audience yeah, as well. Almost reminds me of like, the rabbit hole in Glastonbury. You know, yes. The rabbit hole they go yeah, yeah. you have like you go in there and like Ed's just there playing away. <laughs> You're just like, what the hell is going on? Um, and I guess it's, it's bringing that intimacy back in music because I do think sometimes that is a, a bit of a shame. I mean, it's very, very different to that. But when the Queen's uh, procession was happening on the day of the funeral, like I mean, I, I went down and there was like four rows of people in front of me and everyone just had their camera phone and you couldn't even see and pay respect. And I was like, kind of like, is that respectful? I don't really know. And secondly, 
I mean, watch on BBC After if you really want to kind of watch, if there's something that you really are into and you want to watch that back, fine. But watch the moment. It's like when you go and watch fireworks and then new, and like in London, people go. Yeah. I'm going to get so many ads now, they're hating me because I'm saying about this. But, you know, go and watch the fireworks. Like, put the phone down, just enjoy the fireworks. You're not going, I think, when do you ever go back and watch it? I think social media has put us in a weird place where we feel, I certainly feel this, it's sort of like if you don't document it, it didn't happen. That's true, isn't it? Yeah. And it's really, yeah. and I feel Pixel it. Pixel didn't happen, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it almost is like that. That is, that is it. And I think we're very much like a victim to that feeling. In fairness, because... that guy had a biscuit in his eye. Probably no one would have believed him without any pictures. Well, exactly. They would be like, she, she just didn't do that, did she? She didn't yeah. throw a bourbon in your eye, did she? You liar. <laughs> you're just lying for attention, You just make it pretend. You just didn't want to come to work today. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> you just hung over because the gig was too good. Yeah. But I think it's, I, I think it's, Social media's put us in a weird place of feeling like everything has to be proved, almost. I think it's, it's hard to just exist mm. now. And yeah, I think that's why we started the gig series because we wanted something that was just the polar opposite of everything that I was doing on social media, which was mm. super shiny and rehearsed and recorded. And it was just nice to do natural things. I think that's when I felt the most rewarded mm. in my career is the things that honestly scare me the most mm. which is unscripted mm. re meeting real people mm. I think it's the scariest part but it's the most rewarding because mm. you end up with really connecting with people yeah where would you describe yourself at the moment if you're going to say on your kind of journey in music as an artist where are you and where do you want to be that's quite an immediately deep question from biscuits <laughs> in the face but yeah, where are you on that kind of path, I guess? I, I wish I knew. Mm. I think that's one, one of the amazing... And do you care is actually the second question of that. Unfortunately, I feel like I care too much about that. But I think that's kind of the beauty and the horror of it, <laughs> is mm. you have no idea what's coming. But I think that makes this sort of endless possibility mm. thing of, it's kind of whatever you make of it and you can manifest the energy that you want in your life and in your career. Um, does it, does it scare you, the uncertainty of music? I've had lots of different people yes. on the podcast, and I, I, and I actually feel that one thing it combines, or is kind of common in a lot of us, we're all quite afraid of what the future might hold, as yeah. well as excited. Does it um, scare you? Yeah, absolutely terrified every day. I, I mean, I'm a massive overthinker, and I have quite a lot of anxiety, so it's something that I dwell on a lot. And culture's so fickle. It moves all the time and I think there is, it is a minefield having a job where your career is dependent on people liking mm. you. Like that, that just psychologically, what a nightmare. It's a, it's a, it's a very, <laughs> um, it's a weird situation, isn't it? Because it's kind of like the angel and the devil. It's kind of all like entwined in one thing and you kind of want your uniqueness of you doing what you're doing, but you kind of, and you're kind of focused on that, but you also do have to have one eye on what people are enjoying. Yeah. How do you, how, how are you going to balance that, I guess? Like, how do you prevent hard. it going? I guess it goes back to almost the original point we were talking about. It's like remaining authentic. It's like whatever that truly means. But, you know, one of the things that makes you unique is the fact that you're unique. Mm. But then you also don't want to end up going the wrong direction where you're like not, no one wants to hear it anymore. Yeah, it's so <laughs> hard. Scary. It's it's a fine line to constantly tread because I think there are lots of people that say, I only make my music for me. But if you only make your music for you, you're not putting it on Spotify. You know, you, you share your music because you want other people to hear mm. it for whatever reason that mm. is. And there is a super fine line between maintaining, doing everything for yourself 
and then doing things for others. And I think a lot of the, the, a lot of the songs that I write, I write as advice for myself, but I write thinking, what do I want in the world? What do I want people to hear? And I really, I, I mean, I'm very passionate about if you have a platform, use it to put into the world more of what you want to yeah. see. Yeah. And I want people to be more positive. I want people to laugh more. I want people to feel empowered and silly and strong. Mm. And so I do keep that very much in my subconscious mm. when I'm writing. So you say that you struggle with anxiety at times. Um, how do you tackle that? You know, how do you remain present? Because I guess the, the opposite of worry is being truly present, I guess, in that moment where you're kind of dealing with your immediate second to second. How do you not live in the future when I guess you're constantly thinking about what you're making? Yeah, um, I mean, it, it's a constant learning curve. And I mean, I've spent years learning to work with my anxiety. I used to have crippling performance anxiety. So it took me a while to get into music because I didn't think I'd be able to tour because I thought it would literally kill me with the amount of panic attacks I'd have. And it's been, part of it's been exposure therapy. Mm. So a lot of it is just doing stuff. And the more you do, the more you realize you can do. Mm. And there's just, I, the, the amount of touring I did last year, I would never have dreamed of doing that. But I was just, in on the deep end, had to do it, no choice. And I think when you enter that sort of, well, we're here now, <laughs> you kind of just have to do it. I learned Gotta to- Gotta do it. Yeah, I it. learned to volunteer myself for stuff that scared me. And my manager's great for this because sometimes he'll sign me up to things that he know I can do, but he knows I will probably argue against doing yeah. and then be grateful I did it. Yeah. So he signed me up for like, giving a speech at a like awards show and it's and it went down amazing and I wouldn't necessarily have done that without being pushed to do it so I think a lot of it's exposure and then my biggest thing that I've learned with managing my anxiety is when to reason with it and learning when you're in red alert and you have to physically change your body because once the chemicals are running there's no logic you can't you can't be like oh actually i'm being silly well, the spirals in, in motion isn't it and the spiral exactly. keeps tightening and tightening and tightening and you feel worse and worse yeah like when there's adrenaline and cortisol running through your system there is no you can't be like no bad hormones it's, yeah. it doesn't work yeah. like that so it's learning physical techniques that help you so for me light is really important getting lights on okay. um, I, I suffer from seasonal depression as well mm. so it's really important for me to make sure that my room is always really well lit. Um, also, be, being physical, getting outside, fresh air helps me so much. And just understanding, just even saying to yourself, I'm in red alert, I'm not gonna worry about what I'm thinking, I'm not gonna worry about reasoning with that, I'm going to just step down. I really like that, Red, I've not heard that before. I, think I really like that because you're almost saying to yourself, you give yourself permission to go, I'm in this state where I'm not making sensible stuff. There's no point discussing it. So except we're in the red alert. Yes. And let's put in fact like the red alert emergency plan, I guess, yeah. to, to deal with that, bring myself back into a position of reason and then reason with the thoughts. Exactly. That's really interesting. It's kind of that, that it's so true. When you're in a panic attack, you're, you are churning out the adrenaline, the cortisol's going, the heart the, rate's going, your brain's swinging. And the stupid thoughts that I've had, mm. you know, uh, like the things I've said to my friends, my partner, everyone, when I'm in those states and then after 
afterwards, I'm like, oh, that was embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. None of that's true. It's kind all. of like a mum always used to say when I make a decision. I mean, I got ADHD, so impulsivity is unfortunately part of me, and I'm sure yeah. I've given Harry many sleepless nights for my <laughs> impulsivity. But, um, you know, mum used to always say, like, sleep on it. And I'm not saying sleep mm-hmm. with a panic attack, you can't really, it's difficult to sleep. But it, it's kind of true where you're kind of like, right, let's, we don't have to make that right now, make this decision, or something's worrying you. It's like, right, deal with how I feel. Yes. Bring myself back to a centered core, and often the next day or when that feeling has passed, you got this clarity, isn't there? Yeah, I, I've learned the hard way that my thoughts are so inherently linked to my emotions at the time, mm. and it's always, I always just well, when, when I remember to, I try and say, give yourself 24 hours. Mm. If you're still worried about it then, yeah. then address it. But yeah. there's so many things that are fleeting yeah. panics. I use that 24-hour idea all the time. In fact, we use it as a team. So amongst uh, so everyone that works with me, I say 24 hours when I don't want to make a decision on something now. And that might be because I'm not sure if it's the right decision to make or something I should do or not do or decline or whatever, accept. Or it might be something that I'm like, oh, I just don't know if this is too anxiety inducing. And yeah. giving it 24 hours lets the kind of sometimes the, oh, no, not for me, yes. settle. And then you make a decision from a position of strength. And I would say to people, it's very, very rare that you have to make a decision about something now, you almost always have longer than you think to make a decision. Yes. I'm not saying Anything wait 10 years, wait. give it, give it 20, 24 hours or a couple of days, give yes. yourself space to make a decision from a position of calm, not panic, because as we know, in the position of fight or flight is a terrible situation to make <laughs> a terrible yeah. position to make yeah. a decision from, isn't it? Yeah, and also most of our, like if you're going to have trauma responses, they're so ingrained in you, they're going to be your reflexive yes. responses. Absolutely and then. True. Because for me, with my anxiety, so many of the things that I've ended up doing, my initial response, the like, the, the scared almost. lizard yeah. is going, yeah. no, don't, yeah. no, I don't want to do that. I really don't want to do that. Yeah. No, no, no. And then you, you have to just let that l- listen and then acknowledge. And once the fears feel acknowledged, mm. I think that's when you can actually yeah. start thinking logically about things. Because the trauma reaction, effectively, if you break it down, what it is is that something stimulates a trigger within you of discomfort, and then a set of reactions might happen that are usually attributed to how you've dealt with things in the past. Some of those it's reactions a survival can be technique, helpful. Really. Yeah, some of those things can be helpful. Some of those things are unhelpful. So it's recognizing, for example, um, you know, you might know that sometimes your boyfriend annoys you or whatever, or there's something that they do that really irritates you. And then you, your natural reaction is to get really annoyed about it, say a load of things you probably shouldn't say, and then go, actually, it probably wasn't a bigger deal. It triggered you for some reason. So learning to kind of catch at the point of trigger going, do you know what? I'm going to wait 24 or 40 hours, and I'm going to bring up what's happened and discuss it from a position of calm. It means that you generally get better outcomes. And it's as true in relationship settings as it is deciding whether you do want to do something or not, is that most often your kind of almost animalistic response, I guess, mm. isn't always helpful for nuanced things like, shall I go and do this talk or not? It's not yeah. really fight or flight, but yeah. we apply fight or flight reactions to something that is much more nuanced, yeah. isn't it? Well, because as species, we are still, our bodies are still evolved to exist mm. in a much less complicated society. Mm. So our fight or flight is still very much core. There is a predator that is trying to hunt me right now or you know there is something there the threats are very simple Mm. whereas i think as as culturally we've evolved to have all kinds of things going Mm. on we've still got the same 
in body infrastructure. Well, you, you dress up as the lizard, and, I, and one thing that's interesting about lizards, they've been around a very long time, they haven't changed that much. Yeah. But we're very much like lizards. That our brains, human brains, have changed very marginally yeah. over hundreds of thousands of years. We have not really changed that much. But in 10 years, society changed like that. It's like that, it's like that. But your brain is very much the same brain that was around a couple hundred years yeah. ago. So it's always worth remembering that, that you kind of are trying to teach an old dog new tricks, so be a bit patient with your brain. Yeah, talk to the lizard, become friends with the lizard. Become friends with the lizard. Understand well, the lizard. I've really enjoyed chatting to you. Before I let you go, um, I mean, you can leave if you want to. You aren't, like, entrapped in the park. <laughs> you can't very much leave. I thought we'd do the health fact of the week. Let me find our health fact of the week. Oh, I love a fact. Um, so we've got our health fact of the week. So the part of the brain that processes music, the same part that, like, you create and formulate memory. So often when we learn new things, we might attach it to music, like, so an alphabet singing helping alphabet and learning although really if you've got a bad voice it really upset a lot of people so the attachment the attachment of happy memories in music is it's due to a dopamine uh, release when we hear a song and like because we often get that kind of rush don't we like a yeah. you know mr bright side the kind of uni days you know yeah on my age now yeah uni days and you feel really good when it comes on so there's a connection a positive connection with certain songs and your your mood and memory but also there can be a really opposite effect as well we know that there might be a song that's extremely triggering or nostalgic or something that you remember, say, I guess, say, um, with an X or whatever, you're like, that was our song. And it's partly because we, we remember the way that when we store music, we, we store not only the music, but how we felt at that time, what was going on in our lives. And it often will bring us back to a certain place. It's kind of a recall, if you like. Yeah, that's so interesting because I used to use music a lot to memorise for exams and things like that and really? I could um, my ADHD makes me incredibly forgetful and mm. um, but I can remember reams and reams of lyrics mm. because it has the musical connection um, and I have I wrote a song in oh, how many years ago now like nearly 10 years ago to remember the different parts of the heart mm. and me and my friend can still recite it amazing isn't it when you look when you use music and you know we talk about it in different uh, aspects people talk about mozart whatever with classical music but it doesn't really matter when it comes to learning try and use music it does really i bang on about this you want to learn something or get good at something listen to some music doing it, it really helps and also move move if you're trying to be creative actually some of my best and i said before best and worst ideas have happened while walking mm. so i'm hoping i'm really hoping actually of the nearly million downloads or whatever we've had so far of listeners, I'm hoping that this has inspired some creativity. That maybe while you're walking, you're listening to us and gone, ah, I can fix the fridge that way or something. Yeah. Maybe something a bit more exciting. But you know, that the moment of like our creativity comes from that, you know. Mm. And music is just like that, isn't it? It gives you that kind of space mentally to, to remember to create and yeah, yeah, to learn hopefully. Well, thank you so much for, for joining me on the Stompcast. I've really enjoyed thank it. It's been fantastic. Me. And I, I'll come and you can throw some biscuits at me sometime. Oh, yeah. Come on next down. Next gig and, uh, and so on. Can I have I request a bourbon, though, please? A bourbon? Yes, please. That's yeah, or a custard choice. cream. I like a custard that's, cream. That's a really good choice. Really nice one as well. Well, thank you so much. It's been absolutely <laughs> fantastic. I have enjoyed uh, listening. Guys, I hope you've enjoyed um, the podcast. Make sure you come and listen on the tour. I don't know how many German listens we have. Maybe we have some German listeners. Maybe you're going out on holiday come there. But down. make sure you're going on the on the tour check out Ali's Instagram we leave everything on the show notes as always so yeah thank you so much for finishing part three of the Stompcast well done you're looking after your health your mental health and hopefully you're learning a few things along the way take care and goodbye
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.